Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 86. And today we have an interview with our favorite German maker, Laura Kampf. Laura's builds are born out of pure creativity as she repurposes and reconfigures old and new items alike into amazing creations. And she thrives on the challenge of coming up with new ideas and keeping the pureness of the creativity front and center. And she talks with us today about the balance between being an artist and a businesswoman, how to monetize without sacrificing your brand's vision as an artist or craftswoman, and how she works through the creative process. Laura has been a huge influence of the maker community since she hit the scene, amassing over 330,000 YouTube subscribers in just a few years. With her eye for the cinematic and an amazing style, Laura is inspiring makers all over the world, myself and Brad included. She is a ball of inspiration and energy, and we're super excited to have her on the show. But before we dive into the show, we want to thank this week's sponsor, Spring Make. Spring Make is the only event for makers marrying skill building and brand building with hands-on experience and workshops with some of the makers community's biggest names. This year's show takes place in Cleveland, Ohio on April 25th through the 27th, and not only are we both super stoked to be teaching at the show this year, but our guest Laura will also be teaching as an instructor, and she'll be teaching a course called So You Want to Do This for a Living. We had a blast meeting Laura at last year's event, and in the show you'll see why we love getting time to learn from someone with so much talent. If you're interested in attending Spring Make this year, you can check out the details over at springmakeshow.com and you can save not one but $200 off your ticket with the code made for profit and that's made spelled out F-O-R profit. Also, we want to thank our new members that joined the MFP patron tribe this week. We had Brad Allred from Project Build Stuff, Dan Wallace from Seasmoke Design, and Stephanie Weisensale. Thank you guys so much for joining the Patron Squad. If you want to support the show and get some awesome rewards, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. And without further ado, here's our interview with Laura Kampf. All right, guys, welcome back to another interview. We are so excited to have another international guest here, one of our good friends, Laura Kampf, straight out of Cologne, Germany. Laura, welcome to Made for Profit. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. So is that like, is that the American pronunciation? Like how would a German say, is is it like, you know, is it Cologne or is it something? Uh, oh, in Germany we say Köln. So it's a slightly <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Word. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. <laughs> I got no chance at that one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so perfect. Awesome. Well, I, I tell you what, Laura, we're really excited to have this conversation here. And uh, we've both been huge admirers of your work and, and we've gotten a chance to to hang out a few times now over at the, yes. the, the Lincoln event and uh, which I guess we'll all be together at actually. So yeah. That, yes. Yeah, spring, spring, spring Make. Spring uh, Make 19. Absolutely. Yes. Very excited. Very excited for this one. Uh, last time was a blast meeting all of you. Um, yeah. And hanging out at the Lincoln Electric plant. 
It was fun. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really cool, and, and we'll we'll jump into the interview here in a minute. But just seeing as you know, you're being you're uh, an international kind of citizen of the community, but like you're over in the states quite a bit. Like you know, I feel like you get over here several times a year. So it's you know, I yeah. think a lot of our listeners uh, may have had the chance to to meet you or see you at different maker fairs or or different events. So I think it's awesome, but. Um, before we jump into that, why don't just for those folks who might not know who you are, why don't you just give us a, a quick, you know, maybe five minute background of who you are, what your mm-hmm. channel's about, and uh, let the folks know what's going on. Sure. So, yeah, as you said, my name is Laura. I'm from Cologne, Germany, uh, 35 years old, and I started making YouTube videos about three years ago. Um, before that, I was, I think that's a little bit different about my story because I was already self-employed when I started making the video. So a lot of people um, struggle with a day job and then doing YouTube on the side. That was never the issue with me because I already quit all of my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I had a, I had a lot of jobs before that. Um, so my background after school, I started working for a production company, like a TV show uh, or TV production company. We shot super lame and very cheaply produced uh, TV shows. I did that. I was uh, a camera assistant and did sound stuff there for three years. Then I got super tired of that, even though I was very into the whole camera works and all that. But um, the job itself, the people I worked with, traveling so much, the hours we had to do, the quality of the work, that was all not my thing. So I decided to quit that after three years and focused on photography, which led me to design. Then I studied design for, I think, almost six years. I really took my time with that. Wow. Um, and during during the design studies, I discovered that I really like building things. So that's why I studied so long, because that was actually my excuse to build my workshop on the side and but i had something you know when my parents asked me like what are you doing oh yeah yeah, i'm still studying design don't worry it's fine (laughs) um but i built i built my yeah my workshop um you know it's it's not easy to start a workshop from the ground uh you need tools you need materials all these things uh most of us know how hard it is to get started um, so it was really good to to do that and take my time with that and not have to stress about it so much. Um, yeah, and I worked in a bar for for these six years that I was studying, so I had a little bit of income there. I also the the stuff that I built, I always tried to sell that, so I was hustling. I always liked working for myself and um, building prototypes and all these things. But when I finally uh, graduated. I'm not sure what the right word is. Or I, I had my master's degree in design. Um, I thought, okay, now it's 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 time to face the reality. I need a, a real job. <laughs> so um, I worked in a flight case company for a little while, where I built flight cases. You know, these black boxes where you mm-hmm. store your media equipment. That was really cool because that was the first time I had access to bigger tools. So that was very interesting. But it was just building boxes. So after two years, I got very tired of that as well. And there, it has nothing to do with design at all. It's just like the box always looks the same. It's only about precision and being very efficient. So I think that was my karate kid time where I really <laughs> learned to, you know, keep your head down and just get the yeah. job done. And so, you must um, have been a, a master at knolling. You're like, all right, I yeah, can I yeah, can yeah. line anything <laughs> into a square or a rectangle. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, after two years um, of building boxes, I got a job at Urban Outfitters, 
um, as a display artist. And that was a pretty, pretty cool job, um, at least on paper. I had my own <laughs> workshop. I had my own budget and responsibility and all that. But um, And it was great for two years. But then I realized I want to work for myself. It doesn't matter. Like, there's no if, if I don't like this job, which is pretty much the perfect job for anybody who wants to experiment and just do cool stuff, new stuff all the time, work with fun people. Like if I don't like that job, there's probably not going to be a job that I ever got to like. And it's not about the job. It's about me. Like I just want to work for myself. I want to be in my own shop. I want to make my own decisions. And these things are so important to me that I have I have to quit this job and just try it. So that's that's what I did. That's yeah. now. So when you when you kind of came to that realization, had you uh, already been dabbling in YouTube, or like and no. then you and then so you so you kind of just went and you're like I'm going to build my own stuff, sell it on the side, mm -hmm. and and figure mm -hmm. it out. Okay, so, exactly. So YouTube exactly. came a little bit after that. Then still, yes, yes. So I quit my job, and then I thought I could just sell the stuff that I make, sell furniture. Um, I'm really into lamps. I like building lamps. Uh, and I had a lot, I, I already sold a bunch of lamps to friends and friends of friends. So it was kind of growing a little bit. So I quit my job and then I realized, uh, that I'm not allowed to sell lamps in Germany. <laughs> so that, <laughs> yeah, it's really like you're, if, if, if I sell you a lamp and then something breaks, your house catches fire, like that's on me. So right, right. it's really it's it's hard to explain, but with all the different crafts we have, woodworking, metalworking, electric work, blah, 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 you have to be a master at these and be certified as a master. Otherwise, you can't do certain things. Same thing with woodworking. Like, I, I can't just go there, build a bed and sell these. I have to, for certain tasks, I have to be a master or employ a master who signs them off. The, the the pieces off basically so it's very complicated and i got very very nervous about selling so many lamps and not being allowed to do that um so it was all in a in in the same time frame i think it was it was six months that i was self-employed trying to sell lamps then i realized oh i'm not allowed to do that i um i was very very into youtube uh even before that i everything that i know i learned on youtube basically um so I was watching Jimmy and Bob and all the originals. And then they came out with their Making It podcast. And that's when I realized, oh, they don't have any teams. I always thought they had like production companies and all that behind them. So all these things fell into place where I thought, nah, maybe I should make a video about this cool lamp. If I can't sell the lamp, maybe I should make a video about it just to document the idea um, and be a, more a part of the community, maybe something's there you know i always had this interest in filmmaking so i just tried it and and it worked out pretty well <laughs> i'd say yeah. so i'd say so yeah <laughs> that, so what was what was your 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 first video was it on a lamp then yeah it i didn't was know a that i've gone lamp. back and looked at the it was i'm sorry it was what a walnut lamp a walnut yeah. lamp oh yeah exactly. you can't go wrong yeah. you can't go wrong with that no no and the the <laughs> thing is that's that's one of these lamps that i sold quite a bit and it looks so simple, but to make something look very simple is usually very complicated. So I wanted to document how much work goes into these lamps to justify the price a little bit more and just to, you know, yeah, document it, document it for myself and for others. So, yeah, I, I really got hooked with this video. Um, it was pretty much, I always say, like, when you look at my life, 
living it forwards is so confusing because I switched jobs so much. But now looking at it backwards, it looks like I was preparing for YouTube my whole life. It's <laughs> it's really funny. Um, so yeah, I, I felt right at home with the whole content creation, making videos. And I also like the the um, pressure of having to have a new thing every week. That's a, For some reason, that's a perfect time frame for me to think of a project, uh, to get all the materials, and then, you know, to execute it, edit the video. <clears throat> then I have, like, I, I upload on Sundays, so it's usually half a day Sunday. I'm just enjoying the work that I did, you know? And then it's it's back to breast checks on Monday. I love that. That is so... That's the perfect amount of pressure to stay creative, not to get lazy, you know, to keep going. It's It all fell into place with the YouTube thing. Yeah, I think like uh, what, what I love about all of that is, um, you know, I talked last year at WorkbenchCon, ironically, about like taking your previous life experiences and applying them to your dream kind of life. Um, right. And it is in in hindsight, you can always look and go, oh, that prepared me for this or that prepared me for that. But like in the moment, you have no clue you know, what's yeah. going to be coming in the future. I mean, so your background is extremely interesting because there was a lot of creative dynamics to it, but there was always that, um, those, those, uh, those aspects for you, which you like, uh, you didn't feel quite at home in this role or in that role, but you took mm -hmm. a part of, you know, the, uh, say the production company, and then you took a part of the, um, the carrying cases, and then you took a part of your next role and you applied it to whatever your dream might be. So I think that's a great piece of kind of, um, I guess, life um, experience that anybody can literally pull from, right? If Whether you were an yeah. accountant in a previous life and you're trying to chase the dreams of becoming a leather worker, like yes. you knowing how to manage all of your inventory is going to be vastly important for your business. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, th that's awesome. And I love seeing that from someone who comes from a very creative background and then applies it to continuing to be extremely creative because that's the, the what I find most intriguing about yourself and, and your content is how absurdly creative you actually are. It's like, because <laughs> I, I get I get the question all the time. I did one of those Instagram, you know, ask me anything last week. I was mm -hmm. I was not able to be in the shop or office. So I was, you know, sell my phone. And <laughs> the, the, I got the same question so many times was how do you find inspiration? And I'm like, me, like, I'm like, I feel like I'm not even close to creative. I was like, have you seen Laura? Like, the girl's got skills. So like seeing how creative you actually are and not only in what you're actually making, but how you present it and the evolution of your content over time. Because I think like all three of us may or may not have got on YouTube right around the same time, about three or so mm -hmm. years ago. Um, mm -hmm. in, in your content, I mean, you've stayed, I want to say like extremely true to your brand identity, right? Like the look and the feel is extremely consistent. It's gotten better over time with, with, with subtle aspects and tweaks, but, um, you know, kind of that whole process you just talked about in the week and how you love the pressure of a build post. I mean, why don't you take us a little bit through your creative process to get to that week of, okay, I'm going to build this. Cause, um, it's like you said, a lot of the simple stuff you do, there's gotta be some tons of complex uh, planning in the background as well as yeah. I'm sure vice versa with some of the projects. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my usually, usually my week starts on Monday with a little bit of a depression <laughs> <laughs> because I, I just released the video and I'm, I'm usually super happy about what I did and then, okay, now I have to start again. And then if, yeah, I mean, you, you know, the feeling of not having an instant idea and then, Oh my God, is this the end of my career? I think I'm out of ideas. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's the same thing every Monday. And then usually I go for a walk with my dog or something like that. And then something comes to mind. And then 
and I think that is because I do it every week. I can I can rely on myself that I that I will have an idea uh, sometime between Monday and Wednesday. I know that because it's I think it's like jogging. The more you do it, the better you get at it, and then you know how to judge your own abilities. And three years of making almost every week a video like that that teaches you you can rely on yourself you will have an idea and if not it's not the end of the world you know that's uh it's just a video so nobody's going to die if i don't release a video on sunday <laughs> so that <clears throat> weekly like no it yeah. must go out in the next 37 minutes yeah 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 like, exactly no. but stepping out of that like oh no it's fine like it would be nice not to have an idea because then i could take a week off and as soon as i'm in that mindset I have an and idea. That's what it you know? comes. So is yeah. that, so do you, do you, because like that is, that is so foreign to me in the sense, like I've got, you know, my, my spreadsheet with like all the things on there and <laughs> mine's typically like, mine's more of like, ah, I don't want to do that. And I don't have that. That one's going to take a lot of time. And so like, I struggle more with like choosing between all the ideas. Do you, do you have like a list of, of things or do you thrive on being like, no, I don't want to do that so I can be creative in the moment? It's really hard to explain, but the creative process and yeah, the whole process itself, not only coming up with the idea, also building it, executing it, that is the most precious thing I have. And the slightest thing can can ruin it for me. So even like writing down an idea, but writing it down in the wrong way, it sounds really weird, but let's say tomorrow I want to build a, a river table, right? So I write it down in my sketchbook, but... And, and then the aspect that I really wanted to catch is not recorded in that note, then I will never, ever, ever do that river table. You know what I mean? Like it's um, it's more a feel or this is the material that I want to try. Or I saw this weird corner that somebody cut. It's not about the table. It's about a technique or about a feel. So that is so hard to capture in a notebook. And I'm trying to get better at that. Um, but if I have, if I feel this idea is already locked down. I know exactly how it's going to go. If I think about it too much, it's not interesting anymore. So the 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 less I know about the project, the more I'm going to want to do it, if that makes sense. Mm. So that's mm. why I love these, oh my God, I found a remover suitcase. I'm going to do something with that. Like I would start now. That's, these are my favorite projects, projects where I have to plan. Like the tiny house, that was a big challenge for me because I actually had to plan some stuff for this or at least i had to find the trailer to begin with and then i had to wait for that to be delivered and even time uh, uh like a time span of three days can ruin a project for me because i don't want to wait i want to do it right now so usually i don't go to a, i have a list and i try to you know record my ideas and all that or document my ideas but usually i'm going with the one that's like the, with the freshest idea that I haven't thought about at all because that's right. that's what I'm interested the most. And yeah. a lot of your see, like I, I just thinking of of your videos, which I love when your videos come out because I'm like, oh yes, this is gonna be awesome because the cinematography. We'll we'll hit on that in a little bit, but just the cinematography is just amazing. You do so so well at that, but uh, that I, I love the ones where you're like, which are a lot of where you're like, oh yeah, I, I just found this. Like one of my absolute favorite i think was the boat the drill powered boat oh. <laughs> and you're like yeah yeah i found this but i was you know walking on the the lake and uh saw this sunken boat and uh i was like yeah that's gonna be my project and i'm gonna you know <laughs> yeah pull it out and uh you know get some random guy to come by and haul it out for you and then <laughs> 
put a put yeah. a motor on the back uh and and you know or if you're you know like your your latest one which this will be coming out a while ago but uh you know the the keg sidecar i haven't had a chance to watch that yet i'm i'm uh, it's on my list but i'm yeah. just having that 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 uh are there places because i feel like uh you have a like a, a scrap yard because i saw i can't remember if it was on your instagram mm-hmm. or where it was but that you were showing some um uh some airplane uh flight cases or whatever you know like exactly. a trolley carts or something like that and they were beat yeah. up like yeah. Are there places that you go for like when it's that Monday and, and you're like, OK, it's an idea. I'm going to ride my bike down to the scrapyard or I'm going to go take mm-hmm. a walk at the beach. Like wh- where do you get your your best ideas? Is it always something different or do you have like the go to like, yeah, I'm going to the scrapyard because there's always something really cool there? Yeah, I mean, the scrapyard, I like to go there because I usually find some some stuff there. Um, but generally speaking, I heard the quote somewhere. I don't know who said it. I need to research that, but, um, your work can only be as interesting as your life. And I think that's like, that's, that sums it all up. So whenever I'm looking for inspiration, it's, it's one way to go to the hardware store and see, okay, what's cheap, what's available, but it's another thing to go to a concert or to the movies. And then on your way there, you find a remover suitcase or a boat or a beer keg or, you see a really cool poster and think, oh, I should do screen printing. I think inspiration is hits you the most um, when it's when it's the furthest away from your comfort zone if the, or from your stuff that you're dealing with all the time. I rarely get inspired in the hardware store. If I know if I know the problem, then I go to the hardware store, to the junkyard, and then I look for specific things that I need. Then I look for solutions. But if I don't even know what I'm gonna do. I think it's easier to find inspiration just in your day-to-day life and just be open-minded and open-eyed. Is that a is that a thing? Open-eyed? Absolutely. Maybe open-eared, <laughs> all these things. Um, and just look for interesting stuff there. Yeah. So when I found the boat, I, I didn't go to the lake to find inspiration. I was there. Just it was a nice day. And I decided, you know what? I'm not going to be in the workshop today. I want to have breakfast with my friends and then I ended up being in the workshop <laughs> anyways, because I found the boat. But that's that was that was the reason why I was there, not because I was like, oh, I need to find an idea. Oh, a boat would be that would make a viral video. You know, that's that's not the approach I like to take. That, that would ruin it for me. You know, if you told me, like, if you make a video about, I don't know, a, a, a lamp with whatever, like another walnut lamp, like I promise you it would go viral I promise you I will not make that video because it like the the process is already ruined for me. You know what I mean? I it's yeah. I'm so picky with these things. No, it's like a very I don't know what you mean flower. at all. But <laughs> but I love that I love that there are people like you in this world because I would be like I'm making that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, see like so <laughs> I feel what you're saying a ton cuz Brad is always wrangling me and he's like, "Dude, like this is your core like audience." I was like, "I know, dude, but I want to build like the world's largest catapult and like shoot yep. pumpkins out of it for no yes. apparent reason whatsoever." And he's like, "Yes, but like people are trying to learn how to do professional grade woodworking from you. Why would you put that <laughs> on your channel?" I was like, "Oh, this is so difficult." But uh, yeah. I'm with you there and and, and it's interesting cuz um I have a lot of personal friends in the in specifically the Pittsburgh community who are uh, who are creative types, whether they're um, you know, they're artists in photography or videography, or they draw or they do graphic design or whatever it might be. And you have similar conversations with individuals like those, and they very much always have some type of story or moment to exactly what you were just leaning on. And you know, uh, whether so they're always looking for inspiration outside of their comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. Or outside of their norm. 
Um, and, yeah. and that's uh, going to coffee shops or working from, you know, a uh, auto mall or whatever it might be uh, in yeah. order to try and pull from the external environment and put that into your work. And I, and I think it's interesting to listen to a true creative like yourself and how that's able to influence your work, but not specifically tear you from your core uh, mm-hmm. brand, for instance, you know, like yeah. for you to go and uh, or do any of these bicycle builds, right? Like you ride a bike every day, like a bicycle build for you is something that's part of your life. But when it comes to say the brand image that you started the channel on building lamps, obviously that's massively different, but for mm-hmm. you and the core you believed in, it's not that far away. And Brad and I have talked on the show about making slight pivots um, in your, in your core beliefs and your core brand in order to um, adapt and add new things. And I think it's brilliant. Look, just, just cascading through the thumbnails on your channel and all the projects that you've done over the past three years and just seeing how slightly different some things may be, but how they all come back to the core. I think it's important for anybody who's trying to be creative to look at who they are as an individual and then mm-hmm. take those parts of their life. Like you said, um, going, you know, going to have breakfast with your friends and finding a boat. You weren't searching for a boat build, you know, uh, yeah. But taking that core aspect of yourself, your life, your business, and then adding subtle as- subtle things that are on the outside. Like if you love coffee, you know, don't go searching for a coffee, but like it'll come to you kind of thing and, and naturally or or you, you have a dog like that'll come to you naturally if you things you want to do. But like stick to your core. If you're looking for creativity, don't go searching crazy places. Search, you know, the, it'll be around you and it'll come to you naturally. Um, and I think that's a something that I find always being advised to me for my creative friends. And I think that mm-hmm. was a perfect example from you, you know, going go yeah. and just have some breakfast and finding a boat. Uh, next thing you know, you got this crazy project on your hands. Um, and, and, and that can happen to anybody. So uh, for anyone that's looking for some, you know, advice on becoming more creative, you don't actually have to do crazy things to be more creative. You just got to kind of take an internal look at yourself and then see what's going on around you. And creativity can be anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. When I was in uh, design stu- school, I really struggled with the whole. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to see too much work of other people that I admire because I don't want to. I don't want to feel like I'm stealing from them, you know. And if I if I look at tables the whole day, I'm going to go to the mm-hmm. shop and build a table eventually. So I had this really interesting uh, conversation with my professor back then because he was like, no, Laura, you need to be like open-minded. You need to see what's out there. Otherwise, you will um, spend all your time reinventing the the wheel. And then you're going to be disappointed that people are going to say like, yeah, but it has been done before. It's nothing new. You know what I mean? And then sometimes you have this really cool idea. Oh, I'm going to build that. That is so new. That is so fresh. And then you, you, you Google it and then you see a million people have done that before, <laughs> yes. you know, and, and, and that's something that I, I struggled with that so much. And I recently uh, made my peace with that. And I think that's one thing that got me so much further uh, in my headspace that everything has been done before, right? As Lauren Hill said it in this one song, everything you did has already been done. Um, but it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's about your own curation of things. Like what is interesting to you? And that might be a boat, that might be coffee, that might be tables, that might be, you know, making your own shirts. If that is interesting to you, then that is interesting for your followers or for your, you know, audience. And I think that is such a cool way to look at things. It's about my curation. If I think that's cool, there must be a reason for it. And if you research that, then there will be things like design principles, color schemes, uh, I don't know, construction, material. There will be stuff that's connected to your other things. 
Um, but it doesn't really matter as long as you're interested in it. That's that's a valid reason to make a video about it or to make a piece about it or to study it, you know? I love that. Like, I, I love the idea, too, of hitting on the audience. So why don't we kind of go go there for a minute? Like when you started, you started up YouTube, um, you know, how how did that go for you? And how did you find your audience? And and were you um, were you taking cues from them immediately or were you just kind of heads down, just like I'm going to put out my stuff? Because, you know, we hear that a lot, like, you know, YouTubers or. Uh, or whoever's like, I just posted stuff and all of a sudden I look up and, and, you know, I had a bunch of followers and it was, it was awesome. Like how, how, what was that progression for you and how did it influence what you were doing? Because, you know, all of a sudden now you're putting yourself out there too. And it's like, Ooh, yeah. And it's you, get, scary. You, know, you get the trolls and you know, there's a lot of great, uh, response, but then, you know, there's also some like, well, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the beginning is tough with, uh, with the comments and with putting yourself out there so much because it's basically like getting naked on the table and then everybody can <laughs> judge your ideas and whatnot. Yes. You know, it's, it's very <laughs> scary. Um, uh, I think what helped me a lot was the, like the hardcore community around the Facebook pages and, and, you know, the people who comment every week they really encouraged me to keep going. And they, they were the ones telling me like, oh, this is really like your cinematography is good. You should, you should do that more. And it's fine. We understand what you're doing, even though you're not talking. So, um, I took the encouragement, uh, and doubled down on the things that I liked anyways. Um, but I kept away from feedback that is not, um constructive you know they're like the whole trolling things or like oh, you're a girl you shouldn't be doing that blah 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 you you like that's it's not even valid like it's it, it's it doesn't it doesn't really matter it really doesn't matter so for everybody who's starting out you will develop a very good feel for what's the comments that you should listen to and what is just complete garbage and it, it might hurt in the beginning but it's like uh at the, the the Eminem Eight Mile movie at the end where it's go yeah I, I already know what you're gonna say about me so it doesn't it, it can't hurt me anymore you know you get to that point because it's very repetitive and it's very dumb and it's so easy to ignore after a certain point but reading the comments right and reading uh, critique right is super essential so if I get the feedback um oh this looks so unstable uh, this bike will fall apart it's probably not because the bike will fall apart because I know I built it right. It's probably because I didn't make clear how solid I built it. And that is on me to tell the story correctly. So if they don't understand it, it's not always because the audience is dumb. That's not the point. That's I didn't tell the story. Next time I need to make a shot of me or an elephant riding the bike and they will know it's going to hold, you know? Right. So that that's something that is very important to read the critique right and not go like, no, you idiots, it is it is solid, you know? It's like, they're not idiots, they didn't get it, and that is because I didn't, yeah, t- told it correct. I love that ownership. Uh, that is that is fantastic. It's like extreme ownership. We talked about a, one of our favorite books from uh, Jocko Willis, and uh, it's like, yeah, if, if somebody's got a problem with it, then like how – how do you own that instead? Because I think that is like, right. It's, it's very natural to be defensive and be like, what, what do you mean? Like, it's the, uh, this is never going to fall apart. Right. And mm-hmm. same type thing. Like, you know, I did, um, I did bathroom renovation recently and I did the tile and I had, you know, people just coming out of the woodworks about, you know, it, and of course it's always across the board. Like somebody like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And then other people are like, 
you did, you know, that that's going to crack and break like next mm-hmm. week. And like, that'll never last. And, yeah. and those things. And that was the same thing too, is there is that I realized one of the things that I didn't show was the, um, or talk about was like the underlayment and how, uh, to properly, like, cause I, I was trying to, to stay a little bit more high level cause I do the voiceovers and just mm-hmm. for, for time constraints, I didn't talk about, you know, wetting it down and really doing all the things. Cause it's a very, this, this under, it's actually Schluter, which I don't know. Is that a German company? Schluter? It sounds, sound, <laughs> Schluter. Sounds very German. Sounds very German. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but this Schluter Dietrich stuff anyway. So it's like, uh, you know, and, and, and quite honestly, like, I, I guess, uh, I didn't think about it that way. I was like, kind of the same. I was like, ah, and I, I didn't, I wasn't really like, oh, these people are jerks. I was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, whatever they, they don't understand, but mm-hmm. I didn't take it that next step to think like, what, you know, how could I show that next time? Or what could I talk about? I, I really love that. I love that, you know, taking that ownership of, cause you're, you're the one telling the story and you can craft yeah. and tell. And, and there are other times that, you know, I will actively not show things because mm-hmm. I know like, mm-hmm. oh, that will cause questions and I don't either it's it's not important to the total build or, yeah. um, you know, like things <clears throat> if I'm using a drum sander for a very small piece that I could do in other ways. Yeah, a lot yeah. of times maybe I won't show it yeah. because you get all the people like, oh, I, I don't have a drum sander. And so yeah, exactly. being able to yeah, craft yeah. the story to show like, you know, I, you can palm sand it, you can whatever mm-hmm. you can use a hand plane like you don't need a, a drum sander to achieve this. But it's the way that we tell the stories as as creators and that the onus is on us to invoke either questions or responses or uh, answer those questions before they come up or as they yeah. come up. I, I, yeah. I really yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, and also, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, remember response videos, like old school YouTube. Like, I think that's kind of uh, the concept of where people would go and say, Hey, I forgot this, you know, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, let me go back and show you that. Like this breadboard ends not going to snap off and explode and hurt your children. Yeah. Kind of yeah. thing. Cause like, <laughs> the, you know, those are the comments that, <clears throat> That we get, but um, but yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, Laura. It's, it's oh, no, just it's like, fine. Oh, old school YouTube. That's, that's why they existed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there are certain there's a certain type uh, of of people who just wanna um, they're the naysayers. They want to find the one thing, and usually these people, that's from my experience, are super lazy. So they're not even going. Like they're not even using their mind enough to find the real mistake. They're just going for the lowest hanging fruit. So in every video, I I have one piece that's just for them. Uh, so in the last video, <laughs> it's it's a really good trick. So in the last video um, that you mentioned with the beer keg, at the beginning the beer keg was full, so I had to empty it, and it was like super stale. Uh, there's a way. There's a way to beer. do that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I didn't, I didn't, I talked about it in my Instagram story, but in the video itself, I'm not mentioning that it's like that beer. I just, there's just a shot of me pouring it into the drain. And that's exactly like that <laughs> shot is only there for the naysayers. So they can group in one comment that has like 200 <laughs> replies. Where they're like, oh, she's so stupid. It's, you know, it's a crime to waste beer. That's for them. So they have their fun there. And the rest of the people, they can go like, oh, how did she do this? Do you think the world is going to hold? You know what I mean? So I always have this one segment where I use the angle grinder without safety glasses or where I have my flip flops on at the table saw. That's just for them. It is so much fun for me. And it's so cool to see how if like that is so effective, you know, oh, that the my people. Gosh, I love I, now I'm going to go back. I'm, I am absolutely yeah. going to be going back and be, I'm going to be like every, every time I watch your video, I'm going to be like, okay, where, Dude. where's, where's the troll yeah. clip? Where's the troll clip? <laughs> <laughs> the naysayers can really knock you down. I mean, I don't, 
I come from a background where you're in sports, right? So you're in the spotlight a lot, a lot more than you actually think. And and with a lot of people being able to critique you, I kind of became numb to like mm-hmm. basically just blind criticism coming from underqualified <clears throat> individuals. So yeah. for me in this space, it's like, oh yeah, like I welcome it all. Like if you have something to say, like I'll respond to you and like, Brad's like, oh, I wouldn't say anything. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me get have that. I'm like, and, and I try to all, and I always stay positive. If there's anything like hyper negative or anything that could be a deterrent to the brand, my brand or individuals around my brand, I, I always do uh, eliminate that. But I, I love how you've like kind of cultivated uh, all of the negativity into a spot that you want it to be, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm. if you put <laughs> if you put yourself dumping a keg of beer in a drain at the beginning of a video, the naysayers are going to jump on there, probably going to click <laughs> exactly. off. Not great for exactly, retention, yeah. but yeah. they're not going to get you're not going to get to the meat of your audience. And I think that that kind of plays into the general scheme of content creation as well, because there's so many people out there that ask me and Brad, and they're they're scared to get into it or they don't know how to get into it. And we're always just like, you know, just take a leap, you know, just record a video, just post it kind of thing. And a lot of people are afraid of criticism. You know, they don't find themselves to be an expert in something or they don't find themselves qualified enough to be producing content around whatever they're doing. And in that, we're, we're always saying the same thing. It's just like you don't know until you put it out there. Right. And if you're mm-hmm. able to help one person, who cares if another person is uh, better than you or claims to be better than you and they're not out there trying to help kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, just. Uh, taken away from that, like that's kind of what inspires me. It's like, I'm going to go try, like I, I try out random stuff all the time. Like I cut a keg in half last summer. Um, it had stale beer in it. It, it sprayed all over me. Um, <laughs> and, and it like <laughs> wasn't, um, <clears throat> anything that was dangerous or whatever, but like, you know, trying something like that and then going into, um, you know, working on a lot of the stuff that I have has helped me professionally because I kind of don't fear, uh, a lot yeah. of the projects or the criticism coming from the mm-hmm. other side of it. And that's helped me in content production as well. It seems like you're very similar. You're like, look, I know what yeah. I'm doing. I am confident in it. And I'm going to produce the content around what I'm doing because I feel comfortable with it. I don't need the approval mm-hmm. of the outside. And I think that's vitally important to anyone who wants to, one, expose themselves in creating content or mm-hmm. being uh, seen by others, or two, just generally succeeding in life. Like you don't need the approval of the outside uh, always you you can go and do what you like in and if you continue to stay positive and try and help and build community and help mm-hmm. others and focus on that core you're going to see success yeah. on the other side you're not going to let yeah. one or two people bring you down brad and i ran into yeah. an instance last week where someone said something about me and tried to make it like a public thing and i was just like whatever you know like i've stood next to a mm-hmm. uh a, a a major radio host in Pittsburgh in an elevator who knew me from playing football. I was, I was, I was trying to make the team uh, with the Steelers. Right. But they're used to seeing you in a helmet. So they don't really know Mm -hmm. what you look like outside of your pads and without a number on your Jersey. So that's how they identify with you. Right. So I get on an elevator. We're going up to uh, a meeting. I'm standing there and someone, and my name comes up somehow and I'm having, and they has no clue I'm in the elevator. And he's like, yeah, I just, I just don't think Malecki can make this team. That kid's just no good. And like, I'm like, like, I I ended up, I mean, I could have like broken down in that move. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like that's going to be on DVE next week, which is like the the major like sports show. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up making the team that year or whatever. And like, you get past those moments of where like somebody just might not like you or they just may not be into you. Like you can't let that deter you from whatever you're chasing and stuff so i love hearing that from someone like yourself because you're doing you're doing a lot of different things right you're not like 
honed in on just woodworking or just metalworking or just like any type of craft. It's like it's yeah. like the top of your YouTube says, you know, like I make videos about making things. And it's, <laughs> and I think it's it's brilliant and it's beautiful. And to, to hear instances like that, because you're going to get it a lot more um, once you dive like niche deep into stuff and, and you're mm-hmm. like, hey, this is how you do a joint. They're going to get yeah. millions of comments on like how it's wrong. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. there's a thousand and ways I- to skin a cat and you got to stay positive, right? 100%. Yeah. And that's that's what I like about uh, being on YouTube is nobody is a professional YouTuber, you know, just because it's like, how long has it been a career platform, like five, seven years or mm-hmm. something, you know, so we're all new, like everybody is new. So if you figure out a way that to make a video that makes you very happy, and that allows you to make your hobby uh even if it's just half time you know if that is something that you makes it easier for you to go like i will spend the weekend making a video about my little miniature train you know that is awesome you know if you're successful or if other people will like it or not that that comes later first of all is like does that make you happy well that's a win then then do it like even if you do a video and keep them private for some reason you know if that if making videos and telling your story in an audio visual form makes you happy we we don't need to talk about this any further let's go and make a video that, and that's it i think that's how you should view it because there are more and more people um going like oh yeah i want to be a professional youtuber because i want this to be my car- career and i think that's the wrong way to to approach this because like how would you feel to go to your to a rock band and go like i want to be a rock star like how do i do this you know it's it's <laughs> that's not how it works you know, passion comes first commitment comes first you, know, you have to invest in yourself every hobby uh, also usually comes with a financial investment that you have to be willing to take and that's one of those comments like oh if i had a shop full of tools i could do that <laughs> well if you committed yourself to that 10 years ago like I did, you would have a full shop of tools, you know? So um, your passion comes first and then whatever you want to do is fine. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very easy way to look at it, but that's the way it is. And if you, if people want to get into YouTube before even knowing, do I like woodworking? I don't know, but I see those cool people doing it. And that's what, that's what, that's, that makes me want to do it. That's the wrong way to do it. Find your passion first and then see if storytelling is your thing. I got derailed a little bit. Sorry. No, that was, that was beautiful. <laughs> that was like, fantastic. Because that's it's one thing we love about your it's where people try to figure it out. Yeah. Right. It's like the focus on the story. And it's mm-hmm. something that Brad and I are very well aware of how difficult that is. Like it is not easy to produce content with a like a story based basis that mm-hmm. those words are any good uh, in, <laughs> in the forefront instead of a project basis. Right. Because. It's it's much easier to take steps in a process and photograph or video them and then put them together, stitch them together and put that out as a piece of content. It's much more difficult to tell a story uh, mm-hmm. and then you do it without words some, most of the time. So like it is uh, it's it's super impressive. It's something both of us have admired, um, you know, with your type of content specifically. Um, and And I'm kind of curious to you is like you've had this amazing ability to adapt to the marketplace, right? Cause we're on YouTube and it's, mm-hmm. there's money to be made on the platform, but you've got to monetize uh, outside of it. And you've done a very great job, I think of passively doing that right without ruining your brand or your voice, right? Without quote unquote 
selling out. I mean, yeah. touch a yeah. little bit on how you've been able to adapt to the way, you know, us as content creators have to make money without losing, uh, you know, what you feel is your true core branding. Yeah. So the first thing you mentioned that I, I rarely talk in my videos. Um, and that's because I was super shy about, you know, my accent and all that stuff. And can I, I'm not even sure if I'm fluid enough. Blah, 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 blah. So I didn't talk in the first videos when I got started. Uh, I did. Yeah. I didn't talk and I did it all non-verbally and that worked out well. It, it turns out I still, if I have to do an audio recording, uh, that's something that I like to procrastinate. I, I just don't <laughs> like to do it. I like just to shoot it non-verbally. And that was a very big argument for me with the sponsor when they started to reach out like do you want to do a spot for us and I go, yeah but I'm not going to talk about it so immediately like 100% of the emails were like okay we're not interested we're not interested we're not interested um, that was a little bit frustrating at the beginning but once I found the brands that liked my brand so much that they were okay with me not talking about it just showing the products in action you already feel I already filtered out all the you know, the bad guys who just want to take advantage of you, basically. So I partnered with uh, Rockline, Lincoln Electric pretty early on, and they were super fine with me just using the stuff and not talking. And that was fantastic. So that taught me that it's um, it's very important to say no to certain things. Um, and in my case, it was a very big, like it was a very big thing to say a, I'm sorry, A, I'm not going to talk about the videos. Oh, and before before I forget, like you will never see the video before my audience sees it. Like that's my second rule. There is no approval whatsoever. So if a brand is still there talking to you after you you you'd said these two things, like they are really interested and then you, you can have a good conversation about that. So I don't work with a lot of brands, but the brands that I work with are usually long-term commitments and people that I already talk to a lot. So there's a relationship there. Um, they know how I am, how impulsive I am. Like, oh, I found a suitcase. I need to, I need a, a I don't know. I need a tick welder now. <laughs> and then they, they're helping me out with that. You know, that's, it's, it's really cool. So usually I just, whenever I have my idea for the, the video that we're going to shoot the week, it's just one email. Hey, I want to build this, you know, suitcase boombox. Are you okay with sponsoring that? And then it's uh, a yes. And then the next thing they hear from me is the invoice, and that is perfect for me. They, it's it it it, it um yeah. It, there's a lot of trust involved. They trust me that I will do a good job. I trust them that they trust me. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's it's um, it takes a bit longer to get there with the companies. But I think it's very worth it. And other than that, I, I like in a dream world, and that's where I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to head there, is that YouTube is is the hub of my brand for sure. Like that's where all the creativity is happening. But I don't want to make the the major part of my money on YouTube. Right now, the biggest income is from sponsorships and all that. But I wanna, I want that to be somewhere else. Because I want to protect my little creative flower as much as I can, and I don't want to taint that with money. <laughs> so I started um, partnering with the management uh, last summer, which is super interesting um, because they are not there to help me on YouTube. They are just there to help me build the brand outside of, of YouTube and uh, in Germany. So all the stuff that I do on YouTube, they they don't have anything to do with that. 
but they are trying to talk to production companies because they reach out. I have like I have to say that I have two children TV shows in Germany that I do. And um, I would like to have a show that is where I could have bigger projects that I cannot afford on my weekly YouTube channel, stuff like that. I, I, I would like to have more TV gigs because that's where I want to make my money. Because I like the production companies, they, sh they can pay big bucks, but my little creative projects, my prototypes, the, my lifestyle stuff, that is all happening on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm... I'm trying to I'm trying to have the hardcore business somewhere else where it's not so close to my heart um and keep YouTube my super personal thing. Yeah, that and that is that is uh that's so cool to hear because you you know you, you're you're protecting this, right? Mm -hmm. You're protecting this thing and it's become something that you've that you've been able to make a, a living off of and make money off of, but it's it's really interesting. So I think the 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 proclivity would be to exploit that and to build that up as much as you can, <clears throat> excuse me, but, you know, to hearing you flip that, and I don't know, you know, if, if that that's probably a combination of things, right? But that would be the very, uh, quote unquote, American thing to do would be like, all right, just throw fuel on the fire and, you know, let's make as much money as we can off it, which, you know, uh, is what we talk about a lot in the show. Uh, and, and, you know, that mindset, but just the, you, you know, starting it as a passion project, if you will, having it be creativity based and you being, you know, so focused in on that and having it be, you know, an, an outlet for you and kind of a, it's obviously a, a guiding part of your life that mm -hmm. like, this is what defines your life is like doing these projects and being like, I, I don't like, this is all on my terms. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that. That's a great takeaway that you don't have to quote unquote, sell out and you don't have to throw huge, you know, stickers on your forehead or like any of this stuff that like it's it's going to take longer. Right. But you can still yeah. I mean, you're a great example that uh, like those terms that you mentioned, like you're not going to get approval and I'm <laughs> never going to talk about your brand like that is pretty hardcore. And I think you yeah. know that, that most uh, content creators, uh, people who are listening or will be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. But uh, the reason that I think that you're able to do that, obviously, is because, like you say, because you you put in all the passion, the hard work that now you've created this thing that just people just want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And that I, I got an email the other day <clears throat> and it was um, hey, somebody who wanted to do work with me, but they talked about uh, they referenced they I, I love I love what you've done. I, I really like this project. And I love your background, the fact that you used to be full time, your side hustle and how you do this and how you do. And so, like, when I got that email, uh, you know, still, they want me to talk about their product and, and, and I probably <laughs> will. But like, yeah, there's just such a difference in a uh, company who, you know, like you said, that they yeah. they are in love with your brand, that at least at least this company, because you'll get the other ones that, you know, with the brands that we won't mention, but who are just whatever they're like, they they see you as a number. And mm -hmm. like you said, you exactly. know, I think you use the words uh, exploit you or take advantage of you. Like they see you as a number. You are a mechanism to get to people and you could be building boats. You could be making paper origami. You could have a comedy channel. They mm -hmm. don't care. Exactly, they look yeah. at your reach and that's all you are to them. Uh, yeah. And and so it's really cool to be like, you know, you, you don't have to work with those people. You can wait yeah. for the people who are engaged in your brand and you found them and it takes more time, but it's got to be so much more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so, too. <clears throat> um, and again, like the, the creative process is not something that I 
that is not my job. That is 100% who I am. And it's very, very dangerous to build a career on on your soul, you know what I mean? So <laughs> especially if that is happening in the internet. So I just want to have that detached from money, uh, criticism, pressure, like bad pressure from the outside as much as I can because it, it would only hurt my process. And I just had a very interesting conversation with another content creator from uh, from Germany and he, uh, he's like all about the money. He's a super business focused guy. And I, at the beginning of the conversation, I was like, oh man, I feel like an idiot talking to him. You know, like he's he's making so much money. Like, oh my God, I think I should talk to my sponsors about prices and what. At the end of the conversation, like he was like, I'm so burned out and I I cannot wait till I'm 40 and I can, you know, finally stop working. And I was like, what? That's, you know, that's your goal to be done when you're 40. He's like, yeah, that is my one goal. I want to double down on all the work now so I can relax when I'm 40. And I understood like, okay, that's where the difference is because I want to still be doing this when I'm 70 because that's, you know, that's who I am. I wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have this job. You know, it's so... Like that's, it's one thing, my soul and my work is one thing, basically. It sounds so corny, but that's the way it is. So I am not interested in short-term anything. I'm only interested in long-term everything. You know what I mean? Like that. when people ask me, what's your next goal? Like this is like, this is it. I am, I got myself in a position where I can live in my shop. I can play all day. I can experiment with stuff. That's what I want to do. Like, and, and whatever develops from that is very interesting and I'm open to whatever comes my way. Can't wait to see what what's coming this year. But the goal is the goal is already here. That's it. That's the only goal I had. Now I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I love it. And you always stayed true to yourself. And I think that that's vitally important, you know, staying true to what you want, not not getting off the, the path you want to be on in order to make a buck. Um, and I think that mm-hmm. That's where a lot of us fall in business. And in, in, um, it's something that I say all the time from my experience as a custom furniture maker is that, you know, jobs come in and, and this is kind of tangential, but jobs come in all the time that you're possibly not comfortable with doing that you'll say yes to because you need the money. Um, and mm-hmm. they may not be to your core type of style or the core type of business that you want to do, but you know you can do it and you know you can make a couple of dollars doing it. Yeah. And yeah. I think your story is kind of an attestment to that in a more broad and uh, more broad way with your brand. It's like you've got to do other things to get to where you want to go. But as mm-hmm. long as you stay the path of where you're trying to go and you don't let it deter mm-hmm. you and like because I'm sure you could be extremely successful still working for um, I believe it was Urban Outfitters doing their displays right. and stuff uh, and, and would have absolutely crushed and dominated that job. But it's essentially not where you want it to be. So mm-hmm. you don't have to stick there and go there. You know, if you're doing something right yeah. now that you don't want to do as anybody um, you don't have to stay there, you know, take the experience yeah. that you have in that situation and do what you want to do or get closer to doing what you want to do. Yeah. Cause the goal is always going to be to work towards it. It doesn't have to go from A to Z, you know, you still mm-hmm. got to go and climb the ladder and hit those rungs to get there. Yeah. Um, I think it's brilliant. And, and I've loved watching yeah. your content showcase that as well. Been Thank so you. Cool. Yeah. But, but, but that being said, that doesn't mean that the work ends there. You know, I also, I know that I have to make money. I'm just not very good with these things. So that's why I partner with the management because she, like she is a shark <laughs> when, whenever she negotiates anything for me, like I, 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 I blush when I hear her, you know, negotiate with, with clients. I love that. I just don't want that to happen on my YouTube platform, but I don't mind going out and do like uh, speaking engagements 
for company, they have a budget for these things. So I let the the management negotiate, like I tell them as much as we can. You know, I want to make as much money as I can on this gig because it's just me going there talking about my story. That's fine. That doesn't taint my process. That doesn't, you know, destroy the creativity or anything. So I am super fine to do that. Or also with the TV show stuff, that is not as close to my personality if I do a children's TV show. So I don't mind being more business oriented in these things or selling merchandise or, you know, all these things. What else do I do? No, that's, that's, that's probably it. Um, but also you have like merch on the side, you have the Patreon stuff. So I know that I need to make money and I'm not an idiot. I just know that I need to protect this particular thing. And it might be something else for, for, you know, anybody else. But for me, it's just like the creative process cannot be disturbed, but I'm fine to make money somewhere else. I'm just not good at it. So, so I got help there. Right. But you're, you're there. I mean, obviously you're, you're succeeding now and it's, it is amazing, but I think it's also just a testament. I mean, so just to kind of set the picture for everybody, obviously this is an audio format. Uh, Laura is sitting in her tiny home and, and so it's, it's very cozy. We were talking about before we started, uh, and you know, it's a slightly different lifestyle over there in, in Germany, as far as like, you know, you can get around on your bike that I think that, you know, the, like when I think about it, the, the word that, that pops in my head or the phrase is like starving artist. Like you're, you're, you're clearly not a materialistic person. Like you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have a 60 inch TV behind you. You're not worried about a new car or like any of that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think like, with that lifestyle, um, that clearly helps support that, right? So you can stand firm to like, you're like, this is my passion. And mm-hmm. the, the trade-off is that, you know, maybe you don't have uh, that. And, and for you, you know, maybe if you did have that, have that money, it wouldn't matter. So like you wouldn't be investing it there. But just the sense of like, I just, I love the the minimalistic lifestyle of well that goes that goes along with that because it's yeah. like, I'm not going to do that, but I don't need to do that because I'm fine with what mm-hmm. I have and I can survive and thrive on a, you know, very low monetary budget. And like, I have this little, this, this thing that I hold so close to me, but it's still, yeah. and, but on the flip side of that, when it gets going, like you're still in that life, but you're, you know, you've got all this other money that you can do, you know, whatever else you do with your money uh, yeah. f- with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a funny thing because when I started building my shop or building the whole thing, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, during my design studies, I had an, I had a one room apartment I was living in and I started soldering and a little bit of woodworking. And I realized that there's no space to do that here. It's annoying. This is the first thing I need to get before I get any tools. I need a shop. So my first move was to, um, I sold my car. I, uh, you know, quit the apartment and then I bought a little camper trailer thing. Um, and I moved into a shop because having an apartment and a shop being a student was just not possible. So I moved into my shop and I didn't have any tools, no materials, nothing, but that was like the first thing. Okay. Now I can start. I need a jigsaw. You know, So, um, <laughs> It, the the initial idea to live very small and focus on work was because there was no money to do both. Um, but then, uh, was it two years ago? Like I started making money on YouTube and things were going well. And then I decided, okay, I don't have to live in that shop anymore. Like I'm going to live in a, in a regular house. And I was so unhappy in that house. It was crazy. <laughs> it, it was like a very, very nice house in the middle of the city with a garden and everything, like everything I ever thought I dreamed of. And it just crushed me. So last year I decided, no, I, I can't do it. I need a I need a tiny house or a trailer or something like that again. So 
again, YouTube allowed me to do this because I could turn it into content and the, the, the thing paid for itself. I was building it and it paid for itself. It was really cool. But I realized just because I can doesn't mean I should. So I can afford to have a shop and have an apartment or a house, but that doesn't mean that I have to do that. Also, you know, if I, I could probably have two cars, but why would I, you know? So it's a, it's a matter of defining your own luxuries. I think that is very, very important. And then if you don't spend that much money, you don't have to make that much money and still, you know, can save up or have your own, like have your little luxuries that you want to have. But it's just very important not to spend all the money that you worked so hard for on stuff that you don't even want. That makes you, in my case, it made me really unhappy. And now I don't pay any rent because it's in my shop and it makes me very happy. So money is not always like, oh, this is so expensive and that's why I should love this TV or this apartment. It can be quite the other way around. And it's just important to keep an eye on that, I think. Absolutely. It, I mean, it's, it, that's so, especially with the entrepreneur lifestyle, right? Like if you're going to work for yourself, I mean, first of all, you better uh, not like money because you're not going to have a lot in the beginning, <laughs> right? Because it, <laughs> that is a fact. John and I talk all the time uh, with different people just about, you know, about sacrifice. That's probably the biggest thing. Like people, I want to do this. Like what, what, what does it take? And it's like <clears throat> the number one thing that we talk about just in any business, right? Is, mm -hmm. is, is sacrifice because, you never come out of the gates an all-star. I mean, you, you got to no. put the work in and uh, you have to make sacrifices. And whether that means a smaller apartment or beans and rice or an mm -hmm. 82 Pinto <laughs> instead of a yeah. instead of a 2017 Accord, you know, like whatever that means for you personally, uh, you have to have that. So it's I, I love that conversation. And that's, you know, I mean, I'm I'm 41 now. I've I've lived that life. Uh, and now, thankfully, you know, I've got three kids and my wife and, and uh, you know, we're enjoying the backside of that. But I, I absolutely have made those sacrifices, not to the extent of a tiny home, although that sounds amazing. Like now I'm like, yeah, I'm like in this big house and I'm like, maybe I should have a tiny home. Like that would be kind of cool. <laughs> you can have it in your garden. I, I bet your kids would love it. <laughs> I do have a play set. I do have a play set. Yeah. So I, I refurbished the play set. We could move out there. Maybe we could move the kids out there. Maybe that, that would be the, that would be the life. Put all the noise outside. And we'll come in, have them in for dinners and playing. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so one of the things, Laura, that that uh, we like to ask our our guests is to just to share a piece of advice. You know, what what advice would you give somebody who's just starting out, trying to find their way? Uh, you know, not necessarily in YouTube, but just in business or just, uh, you know, life in general, Some something you'd mm -hmm. like to give them. Mm, yeah, maybe just to stay on that topic. I think it's very important to allow yourself to be different and to um, understand where you might be different to other people, because that doesn't mean that that, I mean, sometimes obviously that might be a, that might be a, a flaw. Is that the right word? Flaw? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe that's not a flaw. Maybe that is your talent or maybe that is your special interest or maybe that is something where you uh, can understand yourself a little bit better and go like me. I don't like big spaces. I like to be in a tiny house. I'm very much different from most people, but that doesn't make it wrong. That just tells me that I should uh, investigate. Is that something that I should follow up on? Is that something where I should maybe change and you know, quit the dream of living small. <laughs> um, but just being, just understanding where you are different from others might be the key to your, either is it maybe personal success or business success, because especially on a platform like YouTube, 
Um, you have to be different. It's all about your personality. It's all about where, as I said before, it's about your curation. So it is very, very interesting um, to talk to people who know where they are different from the rest of the world. And then maybe other people will find a little bit of that in themselves. And that is where YouTube gets super interesting to have different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. brilliant. It's a true community. <laughs> and I absolutely love that aspect that it's so different. And that's so cool. It's such, yeah. a, such a good piece of advice. This, this conversation has been, it's been so enlightening. Like I've absolutely loved it. It's like so cool to actually get to take some time with the shows and stuff. When we get together, it's very hard to, you know, there's, especially with meetups yeah. and such, it's hard to carve time and have like constructive conversations. Yeah. This has been a blast. Absolutely loved cool. it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. That was a, that was a great piece of advice. I'm over here. Like Almost in tears, like right now. Like, like, she's so good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This is it's Thank really uh, absolutely. I know, absolutely. So yeah, now I've got like a whole list of things that we're going to talk about house. come to spring make. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, all my right. Truck, so. My truck's as big as your tiny house. It's, it's going, it's gone. It's <laughs> absolutely. Well, Laura, we absolutely love uh, what you're doing, and uh, we are super excited to hang out with you again. Uh, in in Cleveland here in the spring. Yes, yes. Do you have the original uh, crew patch so I, it, a jacket I, or something? I, well, I don't. You know, I'm not. I'm gonna the get kind a of sewing jacket type it, guy, but I do <laughs> have my it. Next, my next tattoo. Yeah, I have nice. to get it. Yeah, maybe I'll get it on the backpack. But yeah, I I, yeah, cool. I should get it. And that's yeah. You know, I'm so American. I have too many jackets. I couldn't pick which one to True. sew it on to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was great to hang out. Thank you so much for having me. It's a uh, it's a great show. I enjoy the podcast quite a lot. Awesome. Especially because I don't have the business business brains that you guys have. So it's always very insightful for me. Oh. Yeah, well, we really appreciate it because we don't have, uh, at least I don't have enough creativity, you know, that you have ah. in your pinky. So <laughs> we, <laughs> really, say that. we really appreciate the back and forth. So thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, guys. Talk soon. Bye. And this is why I love having folks on the show and being able to interview people that think so differently from us. And that is like such a different mindset and thought process from how I look at creativity and design. It is great to hear that and try to take some of that knowledge and apply it to my business. Yeah, she's absolutely incredible. I'm always inspired anytime I get to hear from her or speak to her. Um, you know, this was such an eye-opening experience. I know I'm inspired. I hope our audience is inspired. Uh, what a fun show. I'm super pumped for spring make as well to get to catch some time with her in person too. Absolutely. And if you want to learn more about Laura, you can head over to madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 86. We'll have links to her website, Instagram, and YouTube channels there. Yeah. And if you want to let us know what you thought about this show, head on over to Facebook and join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash made for profit tribe. Drop us a line. Give us some insight. Ask some questions. We've got an awesome community on over there. Um, we'd love to have you be a part of it. Absolutely. And right now we're going to go hang out with our patron community in the after show. John, let's go crush it. Let's do it. <laughs>